And uh, so today is Valentine's Day. And uh, so I get to share the stage with my uh, wonderful wife. And uh, so you want to sit down? I mean, I'm used to standing, so I'm not used to sitting. But um, yeah, so what we've done, so today we're going to do something different. And uh, we've done this before and done it in the past. But uh, there's going to be a phone number up on the screen where you can actually live text us questions. Uh, Now, here's the deal that you need to know. These are anonymous. Nobody knows who's sending in the questions. I have a few uh, things that we're going to be talking about but, um, today. But also, if you have questions, feel free. Send them in. Uh, it'll go, and then I'm going to get them. Yeah, you've got to sit close to me. It's Valentine's Day. You've got to act like you like me, girl. Come on. And, uh, I do like you. I know. So I, just, I need it to communicate visually. <laughs> This is true. Yeah, I'm not a public person in that way. And uh, so people used to, like when we were youth pastors, this is kind of funny. Uh, Our kids would always say, we don't even know if y'all like each other. Because like we never were affectionate in front of them just because I always thought it was kind of weird. Personally, you may not think there's anything weird about it. Me personally. And so I forgot what it was. And they were like, I don't remember what was going on. But they were like, y'all have to kiss. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And uh, so then they started chanting, and finally we we did kiss, and they freaked out, and it, yeah, it was a glorious moment. And uh, so I was like, "There you go, leave me alone." And um, no, so you know, uh, today actually marks mine and Dara's twenty first anniversary of our first date, and uh, we went to Waffle House because that's what you do, right? And uh, do I have some friends in the house who like Waffle House? Keeping marriages strong since like nineteen oh eight, and uh, you know, so. Uh, but no, that's where we went. So this is kind of funny talking about relationships because I wanted to impress her on our first date. And I'm thinking we're going to go somewhere nice. We're going to do this and that. My wife couldn't decide. My girlfriend or would-be girlfriend couldn't decide what she wanted to eat until it was too late at night that everything was closed. Thus, the reason we ended up at Waffle House. It's not because I thought, man, the steak at Waffle House, I'm going to impress her with. But um, yeah, and so... 21 years later, that hasn't really changed, and uh, I still wait and wonder where I'm going to eat most days, and, uh, or what I'm going to eat. We've gotten better. We've gotten better. And now I just give her two choices. You want this or this. You, just, you know, like, let's, let's limit it down a little bit. And uh, so we've learned to communicate a little better, and, um, you know, so we've been, mar- we've been married, or we dated for four years. We've been married for 17, and uh, so we've been together for 21, and... Um, you know, so we've learned a few things and walked through some things like every married couple does and every relationship does. And today is not just about marriage. It's about relationships. And so um, there's a few things and I need to go through some of these, but I'm going to start off with a funny one here. You can sort through those if you want. And uh, so if you want to, you can text some of these messages, your text messages. So if you're online as well, if you're watching it live with us right now, it's Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, uh, you can text us some messages and we'll answer those as well. And so we are glad that you're joining us online today. But uh, I did have some Somebody sent me a question this week, which I thought was kind of funny. And because uh, it's funny, the question, because me and Dara had already had this conversation earlier this week. And so somebody had sent in the question on Facebook and said, at what point in our marriage do I get my side of the bed back? And, you know, I mean, look, this is real life, right? And so uh, Dara and I moved into our house um, about a year, a little bit over a year ago. And so with our new house, we bought a new bed, which was a larger bed. And so the other night we were talking and she's like, why are you way over there? And then I was like, well, cause I have a certain percentage of the bed and I didn't think when we got a bigger bed, I got more real estate. I just thought I still had to stay on my little part. Right. And, and so my response is you don't get it back. 
It belongs to your wife, all of it, all the space. If she doesn't want you there, you got to go somewhere else. I don't know what to tell you. That's the way it works in my house. And uh, so I don't know how it works in your house. I invited you into my side. You're too far away. I was just living in my little corner, you know, just trying to stay out of trouble. And, uh, but, you know, look, I mean, there are things about relationships that are challenging. And I realize not everybody in here is married. I realize that some of you have been married before and aren't presently. I know that some of you have a desire to be married but haven't been yet. And, uh, and so there are a lot of things uh, about relationships. But how many of you know that marriage is supposed to be a friendship too? As a matter of fact, marriage doesn't work if it's just a business transaction. If you're just roommates, it ain't going to work anyways. And so there has to be a friendship. And if the friendship's not there, we got to work on some friendship level, right? Which that means sharing some mutual interest. Sometimes it means that you do things for your spouse that you may not be that interested in. Because you come into their world and do what they like and those types of things. But, you know, even in the context of a relationship, uh, you know, there's definitely some things that we can look at. And so uh, let me talk to the married folks just for a second um, in the room. And, and I want to read one scripture to you out of Ephesians chapter 5. Because I believe if you're married, this one verse could change. If we live it out, this one verse can change your marriage. It can really change your relationship. And so, uh, and it's pretty short. And I'm only going to read the first four words of it. So it's Ephesians 5 verse 2. It says, submit to one another. If we just learn to do that, our marriages are going to be better. Because when I submit, it actually means to yield or to give way. In other words, you know, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about love. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talked about that love does not demand its own rights or its own way. That's what the scripture says. God, and remember the last couple of weeks we've had that confession. I am patient. I am kind. I endure long. You remember those that I gave you? Remember all that? And in there it says that I do not demand my own right or my own way before, because I am not self-seeking. If your relationship's going to work, selfishness has to leave. If selfishness is predominant in your relationship, and here's the thing, you can only do something about your selfishness, not your spouse's. So you, you can't convince them, you can't gripe at them, you can't yell it out of them. You love and you let the Holy Spirit work. And so that's something that all of us can, and that's in any relationship, we should live in that place. And so, you know, I think that we have to be willing to yield to one another. There are things that I do for my wife that I don't necessarily want to do, but I love my wife. And so I'll give you a very practical example. I do the dishes, not all the time, but we share the load, right? Why? Because if I don't do it, guess who's going to do it? her she's been with the kids i can tell she's stressed out whatever it is well no i don't want to just clean up i don't want to do these necessary things but you know i am still a i like to think i'm a functioning member of the household someday she may disagree with me on that and uh you know but uh you know there is that about yielding to one another and if we submit to one another the rest of the verse actually says in reverence of for christ is that we are to what to model relationship submitted one to another It's not that I'm in charge and she just does what I need or that she's in charge. Like, that's a dictatorship. That's not a relationship. I mean, let me say it this way. If you wouldn't treat a friend the way you treat your spouse, you might need to treat your spouse a little bit better. Because you know your friend wouldn't put up with some of that. Right? Let's just be honest and call it what it is. And yet the Bible here says that we are to submit to one another. Now, that doesn't mean that I violate my conscience. 
to make her happy. That's not what I'm saying by that. It doesn't mean that I just do anything and everything that she wants or that she does any and everything that I want. It means that we work together as a team in our life and in our decisions. And so, but that's really is God's, excuse me, is uh, really what we see here in scripture is that we are to submit one to another. So got any thoughts or anything you want to add to that? I mean, along with that is it's just honor and respect. You know, he was, we were talking about it last night and if we respect each other, respect, you know, give honor and love each other through different situations, give some grace. You know, there's days that you might need a little more grace and there's days that he might need a little more grace. And so it's, you've got to give each other some grace and, and space with that too. Not just hound them about it or why didn't you get this done or, you know, um, but that's us being a team and, and putting a team effort in it and making it work. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, you know, I mean, relationships are challenging and the enemy hates marriage. You have to remember, even from the Bible's perspective, is that the, when the enemy sees your marriage, he sees a representation of Christ in the church. And so he wants to destroy. He wants to tear the family apart. Why? Because that tears apart the very fabric of our culture. And so, you know, I think that there are definitely um, some things in that light, but you have to keep these things in mind. And so, uh, got a couple of questions kind of along this same line, but shifting gears a little bit. And so it says, uh, what are some ideas for regular dates if we're on a tight budget? And somebody else asked another question that says, life gets busy and uh, do you make date night a priority and how often? And so, the idea that, hey, you got to continue to date you know, I've heard people say it this way is that, you know, like I've already shared me and Dare have been together for 21 years. And it's like, well, I could say it this way is I've been dating my wife for 21 years. The problem is, is that sometimes is that once we get married, we want to stop dating. And that's kind of the beginning of the decline of really the, the fun and the, the creativeness and some of those things that come with relationship. And so how do you do this on a budget? Uh, you get creative. That's what you do. And so, you know, one of the things like... One of the other aspects of this that I would tell you um, is that you can do small things mean more than the big things. You know, like, so some of you probably know about this, but there's something called the five love languages. And so everybody interprets love a certain way. Well, Dara's, one of hers is gifts, but not like a new car. She gets excited when I bring her an Icy and M&M's. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, and there's little things that it's just like, or a text in the middle of the day. I mean, there are things like that. But how do you kind of do dates? Get creative. Take a, go for a picnic. Go to the park. I mean, not today, but, you know, <laughs> uh, probably don't want to go today. And, uh, but there are ways to be creative and, and, and just figure out, because it's not so much about what you're doing as it is to connect. I mean, maybe take some three by five note cards, write out a few questions before you go on your picnic. And switch them out. Talk. I mean, what a concept, right? I mean, I can remember when me and Dara dated, we'd be on the phone until we were falling asleep. Talking about what? Who knows? No, you hang up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And, uh, you know, but, um, but it, is, it is important, though, to prioritize it. Now, how often? Often as you can. You know, in our season of life right now, we have two toddlers. Two little ones, so that can be challenging at times. Um, thankfully, we have an awesome sister-in-law somewhere. My sister-in-law. Oh, she's in kids today. So she's like, hey, why don't y'all go out on a date night? I'll watch the kids. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and so, but you do, you know, but 
take your kids if you have to. I mean, don't use, let me say it this way. Don't find every excuse not to. Find the reasons and find the ways to. And so it doesn't always mean that it's a big expensive thing. It doesn't always mean that it's elaborate, um, you know, but. You got really creative one night and it was, you know, when we were in lockdown, maybe I think. Um, And I like Mexican food. And so we went and we got it to go. And then the kids, we had a DVD players in the car. And they put their headphones on, and we ate the Mexican food in the car. And so he's like, this is our date. And they were quiet in the back. And so that was it. <laughs> it's, it's like they weren't even there. They were like, you know. <laughs> Boom. That's winning, right? You know, I mean, sometimes you just do what you, you have to be do. Creative. Yeah, but you just have to. I mean, well, it wasn't planned, but, you know, I took credit for it anyways because that's what you do. And, um, but, but it was kind of funny, though, because we are just sitting there because we actually were just going to take it home. They were Chips quiet. and stuff were smelling pretty good. And so I was like, hey, let's start eating. And then it just kind of turned into a whole conversation. We sat in the parking lot for like an hour and uh, just talked and ate. And then we drove home, you know. And so it's little things and it's really just making the most of the opportunities that you have. And um, so any other thoughts on things for on a budget? I, I mean. Or how, how often? How often? I, I mean, we tried for once a week, but. It doesn't always work in our schedule now. Um, so, but if you can, as often as, you know, y'all got to talk that over. But um, it was, it's good to have it scheduled so that, you know, okay, we need to go do this. It, it's very, it's an important, important thing. So um, we try for once a week, but it's usually like at least every two weeks. So. Hopefully. I mean, here's the thing is that you have to understand is that in anything, life is seasonal, right? I mean, there's different seasons and times of life. And so you just got to kind of be in the moment and be just kind of understand that, hey, you know, Mexican food in the front seat of the car might be the best date we're going to get for this month or that month or whatever it may be just because of schedule, you know, work schedules and all these things and got busy, productive people doing whatever. Uh, So you just got to make the most of it. So. Uh, that you can. And so, yeah, I mean, it's small things. Don't just look for the big things. Just, I mean. And there's plenty of things online. Like, it, I mean, you don't have to be so creative anymore. There's plenty of creative people that have lined it out for you. I, think, I mean. Hey, what was that thing that y'all did? 50, what was it called? The Adventure, Adventure Challenge? They buy a book. But it is like 52, 50 something yeah, and so anyway, they give you things to go do, and you take pictures, and you fill the book up, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the basic concept? So, yeah, so you buy the little book, so it's a cool little thing. And, um, you know, so uh, it's a great way just to, you're like, well, I don't know what to do. It's called the Internet, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. Um, okay, you got another question for me? You want to read it, or you want me to read it? Any of these? Okay. I'll come back to that one. We're not ready to go that serious yet. We'll get to it though. Uh, it says, what do you do? Or, oops. Um, what to do if I'm a constantly drained, carrying the spiritual, emotional, financial, house lo- housework load, but don't want to nag for help from my spouse. When it comes to the housework, just quit doing it. Uh, you think I'm joking. Let the dishes pile up. Why ain't you doing the dishes? Why ain't you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if it's a good enough question for you to ask me, then 
I mean, they don't, they don't clean themselves. I don't know if that's what, how you thought this worked. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I say that jokingly, but I kind of am serious a little bit um, when it comes to the housework. Look, here's the thing. Like, even, because um, has always worked in our house. I mean, you know, for the most part, uh, she's always worked. And if not had a job, she's helped me with the ministry and this and that. And so, basically, she's worked. Helping me is a full-time job. And, uh, and then living with me is another full-time job. And, uh, but because of that, I've always viewed it as that it was my responsibility to help her. That, it, that the house wasn't her thing and then I do whatever I do. Is that, no, this is our house and this is our home and I help out. Um, you know, and that's just kind of always been my mindset on it. And so, uh, now how do you get a, a spouse who doesn't uh, help or doesn't seem to want to be supportive of that? It's just got to be some conversation. It really has to be honest and just like, look, I can't, and I don't, not only can I not, I don't want to do this by myself. Like I didn't get into a marriage to take care of another child. You know, I mean, there's the, and most of you have probably heard the joke where, you know, like in our case, we have two kids, but if somebody asked Daryl, like, how many kids do you have? And she says three, <laughs> because the husband's kind of like the third child, you know, and it's like, that's kind of funny, but it's kind of not, because it's like, I didn't marry you to raise you. I married you so we would be together in this thing, you know. And so, you know, I think that there is some honest conversation. But even spiritually speaking, um, you know, I think that there is the spiritual, the emotional, there's financial. Um, it's, again, there just has to be that, that willingness to have a conversation about it. And just say, look, I know you don't want to talk about this, but I'm carrying the load. I feel like, and I, I, this is what I was, I'd be careful to not be accusatory of your spouse. I wouldn't say, hey, I'm caring. I would say, I feel like I am. And so maybe if I'm not seeing this accurately, could you help me see it? Uh, because I need help, uh, you know, to, to work on this. So how do you handle that when I, because I'm a workaholic. I think most of y'all have probably picked up on that. I work all the time. And so there's times that Dare needs me to kind of step it up at home. So how do you handle that with me? I wait for the right moment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big, that's a big thing in our marriage is waiting for the right moment. And saying, okay, we need to talk and give it a little space. And then like, all right, let's talk about this. But um, I would say that, you know, if you're like for him, he does the finances and stuff. And sometimes he wants me to be more of a player in that, you know, and I'm not as much as just not one of my gifts, but it is his gift. So it's like, um, sometimes he's like, hey, you need to be in on this a little more. And so we both have talked to each other about different areas that we need um, each other to step it up because it works better as you're, as you're a team and you're working through it together. So, yep. hope I answered that one. Um, so uh, here's one. It says, "How? What are some tips on how to grow spiritually together without being awkward? If this is new to us, so um, there's a few ways you can do this. Um, the the most base level is just start praying together. I mean, and I don't mean like pray like an hour. I mean like just." Pray over each other. Pray for a moment. Thank God for the day. What do you, what's going on tomorrow? Hey, is there anything you want me to pray about with you? The Bible's very clear about the power of agreement, and I think there is something special when you pray with anybody, um, much less your spouse. But I believe that there is something special about praying with your spouse. Pray over your family. Pray over your home. Um, that's one of the things that me and Dara have always done uh, is that when we move into a new home, we pray over it before we get in. Um, you know, uh, I, I've shared this story uh, before, I think, here. Um, but I can remember uh, as a kid, my family moved into a new home. I was probably about six or seven. 
My parents began to fight like crazy, all this stuff. And uh, for about six, eight months, whatever it was, I don't remember. I was too young to remember, but they've told me the story. And, um, but anyhow, long story short, we got together and started praying as a family over our home just because there was a lot of contention in our home. And it be, things began to change and that. And years later, we found out that the previous three families who had lived in the home had all been divorced. And, um, you know, but my parents lived there for over 20 years and they're still together today and they're getting ready to hit 50 years together. And, you know, um, you know, but there is something to that and that there's not just, it's not just symbolic, there's real power in prayer. And so there are things in, uh, in that nature. The other thing I would say is if you want to grow together spiritually, have some spiritual conversation. Like talk about what are you reading in the Bible? Like what's God sharing to your heart? I mean, it's not always just the Bible, the Bible. It's just, hey, what is God stirring up in you? What, what, what are some things that you're working through and, and praying about it? And so I think that just having converse, like normal conversation, don't over-spiritualize it. Um, but really, just find out what God's doing in each other. And uh, you say, well, my spouse isn't spiritual at all. What do I do in that situation? You just got to start praying for them. Here's what I would encourage you. If you have a spouse who's not a godly person, is you have to remember you're not the Holy Spirit. And, you're, and the Holy Spirit knows how to speak to your spouse better than you do. And that's very important to remember. And so you just pray and you stand fast, um, you know, in that way. And, and it's a process. Coming to church together, worshiping together. But this shouldn't be the only Christianity that is involved in your relationship throughout the week. It's got to go beyond just Sunday morning. And it's really got to become into your home. Because the other side of that is, is most likely there's going to be ch- children that will be raised up in your home. Well, do you want them raised in a godly home? Okay, then y'all have to have a godly relationship that's, that they can watch and see. Not that it's perfect, because nobody's perfect. Um, you know, but, uh, so those are a couple things. Any and thoughts on that one? Get some resources. There's also, you know, like even the Bible app has a bunch of devotionals that are for couples. You could do it together. There's different, um, you know, there's different books you could go through together that are simple enough that can take anybody at any level um, that you could go through together. And it just gives you a starting point and like, okay, let's pray at the end of this. It's, it shouldn't be, it's only as awkward as you make it, you know, <laughs> you need to get over that. And it's just, it's more that you do it together, the easier it becomes. So. Yeah. So I'm going to answer this one here. Let me find it. Where did I put it? Right here. Because I just mentioned it. So I'm going to answer this one because it ties in. It says, what is the best way to handle when a spouse doesn't come to church with the rest of the family? Um, The Bible talks about this and tells us that if you have an unbelieving spouse, so maybe your spouse is unbelieving, maybe they just don't come to church. The Bible actually gives you an instruction to live out godliness in front of them that by watching your behavior that they will be won over to the Lord. Um, And so you pray for them, you love them, uh, and you leave the, the work to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. And so... Uh, so here's another question and, um, I'm getting a few more. So if you want to, you can still text them or whatever, uh, as well. But, um, so it says, is it okay to have friends of the opposite sex if you're married? Um, you know, and so the answer is yes, but I have to qualify it. Um, anytime that you have a friend that you're confiding in things that are not your spouse, that's a problem. Um, you know, but I also would say that there are some boundaries and there are some safeguards because what starts off as innocent may not end up being innocent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's, and so we have to guard our hearts and we have to pay attention. Uh, one of the things that I, that I think is a good discipline to do, uh, like the other day I text Chantel about something here at the church, but I included Joel in on that text. Why? Because that's his wife. And I, you know, and look, 
right? I mean, it's just a good practice. It's a safeguard for me, not because I'm afraid of Joel, not because I think something's going to happen, not, not any of those things. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, but, but there are safeguards and we do need wisdom uh, in our life. And so the enemy would love nothing more than to begin to divert our attention um, away from our spouse and our energy. And, you know, and, and the enemy will pray, will pray upon that. And so that's definitely something that you have to be mindful of. It's not that it's evil. It's not that it's wrong. But you, you do have to use wisdom and just be mindful, be smart about it. Um, what would you say? Well, if, if this friend and you are close, they, there should never be something that you wouldn't tell your spouse first. Um, you know, he knows more than anybody, so. everything about me more than anybody else. And that should be friends on any side, I feel like, because that's how we keep it strong. I'm not going to go, I mean, yes, there's venting and all of that, but at the same time, you will be very careful of who that goes to because, um, in, in some ways, I've heard it said that you're letting people into your bedroom, you know, and you don't want to get that intimate. That should only be with between you guys. Um, so is that? Yeah. And I think too, the other, which another aspect, well, there was a question somewhere at some point that I saw, um, that somebody had asked, or maybe it was something that we had talked about. Um, is it, I mean, marriage is a relationship and so there's going to be frustrations, right? And so one of the things that we've always kind of held to is that we would only vent up. In other words, to people that could help us. I don't go vent to my buddies who's like, man, she's stupid. Like, I mean, first of all, I don't hang out with middle schoolers that much. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you go and you just have friends and they're like, yeah, my wife does that too. And, and, and next thing you know, you've all talked yourself out of being married. Because you're all like, man, this is horrible. This isn't what we want. And, um, you know, and so I think that you do have to be careful and be wise and to go to people who can actually help you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with counseling. If you need counseling, go to counseling. There's no shame in counseling. Uh, you know, I think there's wisdom in that. Um, you know, and now if your spouse won't go to counseling, I've had this happen many times where couples have called and said, hey, would you meet with me because they won't come? And I'm like, well, I will, but it's more beneficial if you're both here. Um, you know, because there's wisdom and counsel that can be shared. Uh, you know, but, uh, but yes, I mean, to, to go to people that can actually help you and that can actually speak life into your relationship. If you're going to the same person and they're always tearing down your spouse or even the person you're dating now, there may, if you're dating, there may be some reasons why <laughs> that people have some different approval, but not always. Um, you know, and so I think that you do need to, especially when there's contention, um, talk to your spouse about it. Don't just go talk to everybody else. Or if you do need to go talk to somebody, make sure that it's somebody who can actually help you. Don't well, just even, go even throw family, it out there. Because, I mean, you bring, you bring family in on it, then that taints their view of that person for a while. It takes them longer to get over it sometimes than, yeah. you know, so you have to really watch who you're running to. Yep, absolutely. So, um, all right, let me see. Go up here to some text questions. Oops, I can't get to pull up. Here we go. So somebody asked the question, it says, how should a single person prepare for marriage? And uh, this is, so you can take this a couple different ways. Uh, But number one is that you need to work on your relationship with the Lord. 
Because the more that God and the more the influence of the Holy Spirit you have in your life as a single person, the better spouse you're going to be. Um, The number one thing I would tell anybody before you get married is you need to learn the voice of God. Because no one keeps me in check like the Holy Spirit does in my relationship with this lady right here. I mean, I've had the Holy Spirit tell me, don't talk to her like that. And I need to recognize that that's not just this random thought. That's the Lord speaking to my heart. And so, and not only that, I need to be able to hear from the Lord, like, do I need to be with this person? If I'm a single person looking for a relationship, looking to be in relationship with somebody, I don't want to just marry anybody. I want to marry God's best. And, you know, and so being able to learn how to hear the voice of God is very important. And and so other than that, you know, as far as maybe some, just allow the Lord to work on you. And really, you pursue him. And so, I know we've heard it said many times, and this is kind of what happened with us, is that we were running after God, and then I looked to my left, and there she was. I'm like, hey, <laughs> kind of running the same speed, because what happens is that if you, you know, if you really want, and the goal is that, hey, I want to pursue the Lord, and I want to have a spouse who is a godly person, then, and I realize that you may be single in here, and you're looking around the room going, I don't see anybody that I would consider, <laughs> Right? I mean, I'm not saying it's like, well, I guess I'm just going to be a nun or a a priest forever. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you're in church worshiping all of a sudden. You look over and you're like, oh, there's my spouse. Like, it's probably not going to happen like that. Um, It could, but probably not. Uh, But to have a godly spouse, to have somebody that that as you're pursuing God, they need to be pursuing God. um, Because you don't want to be dragging them along later in life. And so, um, you know, and so that is important. you know, in that, so what about from the girl's perspective? Um, I think sometimes we, we, uh, we make a list. Have you heard it? some of you girls have done that? <laughs> he made a list. Does he check off this? Does he check off that? You know, and sometimes you need to throw the list out the window because um, God has more for you than that list. <laughs> you know, and then sometimes it's not going to look like what you think because um, I, even us meeting, I didn't think it took me a little while. <laughs> no, no, I mean, but it didn't look like what I thought, you know, so it took I me. didn't check off box number one. <laughs> but, it, you know, it just, I don't mean you didn't. I just mean that the whole situation. I was not musical. I thought I was going to, you know, I thought I was going to, this guy was going to sing with me. I thought we were going to travel. I thought that's what it was, you know. I sing from the front row. <laughs> I sing with you every week. So I had to throw my list out the window. <laughs> but God, uh, you know, I know that this is the relationship I was supposed to be in. And God spoke to my heart. And there were things along our journey that, you know, um, just through talks and as you're talking to the person and stuff, you'll find out and God will, you know, stir in your heart things. Um, you know, we, we would talk on the phone just about dreams and future. And, um, I just loved his determination. I knew that no matter what situation I was going to be in, he was going to get us out. So, (laughs) so, um, it's just, that was one of my things. So I just, you, sometimes it's not going to look like what you think. So she thought she wanted to determine until she married it. (laughs) Now she's like, pump the brakes a little bit every now and then. And, uh, you know, and I will say that is that one of the things that we've talked about many times, um, even, in, even in a relationship, because you marry one person, they don't stay that person. Yeah. And so you have to allow your spouse to grow, to develop, to change, because, you know, you could say, well, I wanted the person I married. Well, you're not the person that they married either. You've changed. 
you know. Um, you know, I mean, we, we can look at it from seasons of life. Um, you know, we were married at 22, 23, and I'm 41, you're whatever age. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> I tried to avoid it. Okay. Sidestep it a little bit. But uh, you have to allow your spouse to grow, and the truth is you want them to grow. You do. And so it's important in that way. And so uh, to do that, and so I think it is very important, especially you do need to have some ideas. Let me say it this way. You can't compromise as a single person just because you're lonely. Amen. Do not compromise. Because it's easy to be like, well, I know this is what I said I wanted. I know this is what I said I was praying. I know this is what kind of my standard was. But you got to trust God to bring you the right person at the right time. You know, I'll give you an example of this. And I kind of have permission to share this. So uh, one of my sisters, she's been married three times. First two marriages, not great. Uh, had issues. Um, and so she had a child from each of the first two marriages. And um, so I have two nieces. Um, and so when it came time, or actually she was just trying to be a mom. She was actually in, went back to school to go finish up her nursing degree that was 20 years delayed. And she'd had two failed marriages and all of these things in life, right? And just life was hitting her. Uh, and then all of a sudden this guy pops up out of nowhere um, named Warren. And uh, Warren is her husband today. And uh, he's been an absolute godsend, and she actually refused to even go on a date with him. She's like, nope, I ain't got time for you. I'm in school. I got two girls. I don't need to mess with you. And, um, you know, and, and so he actually didn't push it at all. All of, they had some mutual friends, and they were all like, why won't you go out with him, blah, blah, blah. And so they ended up getting married. Uh, I had the opportunity to marry them. Uh, they had both been previously married, and so he didn't have any children from his first marriage, but my, wife, my sister had two, and they've been married for eight or nine years. Absolute godsend, and she flat out, and she would tell you today, God brought him into my life, and she was like, I absolutely did not want it, 100%. And so just because you may say this can't be the right time doesn't mean that it's not God's time. It just may not be on your radar. And so you have to stay open to say, God, you know, and, and, and they've had a great relationship, you know, and even with my two nieces. I mean, he's been phenomenal stepping into their life and, and just being a dad figure in their life and those types of things. He's been really awesome. And so for those of you that maybe have kids, maybe you're a single mom, single dad, maybe you have a failed relationship, whatever it may be, is that that doesn't have to define you. So don't let the past say, well, this is what the future has to be. No, let God write the story because God can write you a better story than you can. But you've got to be willing to trust him and, and, and to really be open to that. And so I think that it is very important. I mean, that's a subject like just because of it's my family, I have a real soft spot for single moms. I just do because that was my sister. And so because of that, I'm my, very mindful of it. I'll say it that way because I know the struggle that she had and the struggle that she walked through. Um, you know, and, and, but I've seen God work and now I don't worry about my sister anymore because it's Warren's problem. You know, I mean, like, don't call me, call your, call him. And, um, but I just want to encourage you, if that applies to you, don't get discouraged in the waiting. Don't get frustrated saying, well, God, win, God, win, God, win. Just say, God, you know what? I'm going to focus on what I need to focus on and I'm going to keep doing what I know to do. And you're going to bring me the right person at the right time because you don't want the wrong person, Right. And so that's very important, especially if you have kids involved, 
That even adds another layer to that. Uh, you want somebody that's going to love you, love your kids, love God. Um, those are important things. And so, uh, yeah. So, next question that we have. How much time I got? Dang, yeah. I'm already out of time. Don't shake his head at me. I'll answer this one. Um, it says, what do you, what do, or what to do when I find myself wondering if the grass is greener somewhere else? You ever see that, especially in the culture we live in? You get on Facebook and you're like, I wish I had their vacation. I wish I had their family picture. I wish that I had their house. I wish I had all this. I wish I had all of that. Until it all falls apart and you realize they were in debt to their eyeballs. They hated each other and they threw a couple pictures up and they were just masking what was actually going on behind the scenes. Um, and so, so comparison is, is unbelievably detrimental to any relationship. It is. And so you can't compare your life, your situation, your relationship because you don't know. You just know what you've seen. You just, you know, and so uh, you could say it this way is if, if the grass is greener somewhere else, Start tending your own lawn. Start, start fertilizing. Start watering your own yard. And don't get so worried about everybody else and what everybody else is doing. Why? Because God is in your relationship and wants to work in your relationship. And if you're always, let me say it this way, if you're always looking over the fence, you're not looking down at your own yard. And so it is important to do that and to, to see. And so, you know, because that can happen. I mean, life happens and, you know, we make major things out of things that are minor. We just do. Because we forget about all the good things that our spouse is and does. And, uh, you know, so it's important, though, that we love who we are and where we are. And God will work and God's going to move. So, anything on that one? No? (laughs) No, I just think that when you, I mean... Look at what you have and look and cultivate what you have. There is so much more that comes out of it um, when you really honor each other. And I think there, we've been through moments where um, you might have felt like roommate at times. Sometimes we've been through, you know, um, times where every marriage kind of goes through hills and valleys, you know. But um, I know that both of us talk it out. We've always talked it out and walked through it. And when we really go back to why we fell in love and the first things and why God, God brought us together, you know, God stirs up things in your heart and he cultivates that for us. And it's just, we watch it grow each time. So, yep. all right, lightning round. I got to, I'm going to go through a couple of these really quick because <laughs> I'm running out of time. So this was one somebody sent on Facebook this week and they said, um, and I reworded it just to make it a little clear but it says what does a healthy relationship with a friend look like boundaries etc and so one of the things that i would say in this so how do you develop just a relationship a friendship with people and how do you maintain boundaries um you know and so i think one of the things is that you have to look at it and understand is that there are levels of friendship not every friend gets the same access like this is this is my pet peeve but if you have 12 best friends you don't have a best friend Okay, like that's just it. You just don't. And, and I know you're like, no, but I'm different. No, you're not. I love you, but no, you're not. Like you probably don't actually have a best friend. But there are levels. And let me give you an example of this. Jesus had the multitudes. Jesus had the 12. Jesus had the three. But there was one who was ultra close. Right? I mean, you go and read throughout the gospels and Jesus would be with the disciples. And he would draw away. But then he'd say, hey, Peter, James, and John, come with me. Well, why did those three get pulled away? Why did they get the 
you know, a little bit closer, if you will, a more intimate relationship, because there are levels in relationship. And the reason that it's important that we all have friends, even if you're married, you still need friends. You need people speaking into your life. And you've heard me quote this verse a bunch if you've heard me preach very much. Proverbs 27, 6 is that faithful are the wounds of a friend. You need a, a friend, and there's a guy named Oscar Wilde who is an author, and he quoted it or wrote it this way, is that a, a real friend will stab you in the front. And you need friends around you who will say, hey, quit being an idiot. We all need that friend who will call us out and say, hey, you're better than that. That's not who you are. You know, quit looking over the fence. Like, I mean, we need people in our life to speak truth. And, um, you know, and so we need that in our life. And it is very important uh, that we have those relationships, those friendships. But you have to, but there are boundaries. And this is the way I would tell you. If somebody violates a boundary, then you take a step back. Like, I'll just give you an example. If you give them something in confidence and they break that confidence, guess what you don't do? Don't trust them in the same confidence until they can prove that they can handle a mature relationship. Right? Because there's a violation there of trust. You know, the other day I was talking with somebody and I said that trust is kind of like a plane taking off. It takes a lot of energy and effort to get off off the ground. But guess what falls out of the air really fast? A plane. That's trust. It takes time. It takes energy to get it going. But a lot of trust can be lost in an instant. And so we have to define that even in our relationships. And we we need places and people that we can turn to. But you got to qualify those friends. And not everybody gets equal treatment. And it doesn't mean that we don't love people. It doesn't mean any of those things. Um, it just means that we just have to be mindful. And, and yes, you need boundaries. Because uh, there are some friends that they're, they may, may be great to go and just have a good time with and laugh and cut up. But that may not be the, the friend that you need to sit down and have like a legit conversation with about what's going on uh, in your own heart. And uh, so... Uh, that's how I would answer that one, at least in the fire round here, the quick lightning round. Uh, another question was, uh, when I've been hurt in the past, how do I know when I'm ready to put my, help, my heart back out there again? And um, the, you probably won't know. You probably won't. I mean, the thing you can do is believe God to heal you um, from your past hurts and from those things. Because the last thing you want to do is to go into a new relationship with old baggage. But if you don't deal with the baggage, guess what comes with it? You the baggage. So you have to be willing. And, and you say, well, how do I do that? You have to, number one, bring it under the lordship of Christ. In other words, you go to, to God in prayer and you say, Lord, I know that I've been hurt. I know that, that, these, that there's areas of my heart that I don't know how to fix, that I'm hurting, but I know that you are the healer. And so I'm going to bring this to you and I'm going to ask you to help me by the work of the Holy Spirit to either give me the wisdom I need, the insight I need. Um, and, and you just make it an object of prayer. And, uh, you know, and so you, so that's the way I would answer that is that you have to allow the Holy Spirit to heal you. You know, I mean, there were some things, and I won't go into the details, of where me and Dara were very hurt early on in our marriage, not necessarily towards one another, um, but just through some circumstance that we walked through. And it wasn't anything that she could help me with, even as my wife. And there were things that I couldn't help her with as her husband. We were both hurting um, in some things, but the Lord had to do the work in our hearts, and He will. But we have to bring it to him and be willing to, to bring, the Bible says, to bring all of our cares and our worries before the Lord. Why? Because he cares affectionately and is attentive to us. And God knows how to heal your heart. You're not too broken for God to heal you. And you have to know that is that you are not too broken. God will work and God will heal. So, uh, all right, here's some practical ones. Well, 
one practical one and then two not so much. But uh, it says, how do you meet in the middle if one of us is constantly spending money and the other wants to save? Um, which, you know. You want to answer that one, dear? Well, we created a budget. <laughs> but, I mean, part of it is that you have to both be on board. And then along with the budget, it's like, okay, we need he. You know, it's like we need the fun time, too. We need to put that in the budget, you know. Or if you want to go spend, then that needs to be in the budget. Um, Right? Mm -hmm. It's basically so, I mean, but agreeing on it. And I don't know, if somebody's not together with you on it, I I mean, you have to keep coming back to it. Because for us, we got into some debt, and we had to work out of it. But it took us both being a team to to get out of it and be on the same page. So just for the record, I'm actually the spender, not her, (laughs) even though I'm the numbers guy and I'm the, I'm when I spend, it's bigger. I make up for it. You know, she buys little things like a pillow. I'm like, I want, you know, yeah. (laughs) So mine come in chunks typically, but, uh, but yeah, I mean the biggest thing is being on board, being on the same page. You know, you got to be in agreement. Uh, like, this is such a practical thing. Me and I think me and Sean were talking about this the other day. We were talking about when we were getting out of debt, this and that. Like, we made a list, like a grocery shopping list, and we allowed each other one thing not on the list. Right? I mean, it's just a very practical thing. But guess what I needed when I went to the store and I want 10 things? I needed accountability to tell me you get one thing, but I want 10. Like, no, you get one. And so, but you do have to be in agreement because if not, I mean, the Bible talks about this pretty clearly. Uh, It says that a house divided will not stand. You know, uh, if if one of you is fighting for the finances, you're always going to be fighting about the finances. If y'all come into agreement and really set that, hey, this is what we want to do, you know, and because it is more of a plan. And so, um, you know, I think that that's part of it. And, And even if you're, let me say it this way. If you're the one who's doing the finances and somebody else doesn't want to, I think you need to explain to them why it matters to you. Don't just say, well, I feel like I'm doing this by myself. Say, you know, like, I mean, just as an example, Dare mentioned this. We had this conversation recently uh, where I was telling her, I said, hey, I need you to understand some things for us financially. I said, because if something happens to me, you don't know anything about our life insurance. You don't know anything about our mortgage. You don't know how to log in and pay the bills. You don't know how to do all these things. And, and so she's kind of like, well, you do it. And I'm like, yeah. But what if something happens? I want to make sure that we're provided for and you're provided for long term. And, um, you know, and so, and so it was really about giving her security. And that's why I wanted her to know, you know, and so even just some practical things like that. So here's a couple serious ones that I do want to speak to quickly. Um, it says, what do I do if, you, if I think my spouse is cheating and not sure if I should confront them? Um, so uh, this is. Now, you also have to say this. My personality is to confront. Uh, My personality is to lean into the awkwardness and just say it's awkward, but I'd rather ask than to just assume things. But that's kind of my personality a little bit. Um, But the first thing I would say is that uh, I would find somebody very trusted and see why you feel that way. Like, I mean, if you have proof, that's different. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you've seen text or if you've seen messages or things like that, that's different uh, because, I mean, you have pretty probable clause. But if it's just a feeling or just an emotion or because it could just be something going on in you. Now, if you if it gets to the point where either you have proof or if you just can't get over that, there's got to be some honest conversation as much as you don't want to do that. Um, because uh, and I've seen this 
with people who were married for years and years and years and years and years and years and decades at times where there was an unfaithful spouse and the other spouse was miserable. Because here's the truth. If you know your, child, your spouse is cheating and you're not acknowledging it, you're miserable. And sticking your head in the sand doesn't change that misery. It only makes it worse. And so now maybe your personality is not confrontational like mine per se. Um, and maybe you need to have somebody else. And maybe it's you go talk to a counselor. Maybe you get a, a mediator, somebody to come in and to, to, to help walk through that moment. Because you're like, well, I don't know if I can talk about this. I don't know if I can do these things. Um, but there does have to be some conversation. You, it's not going to fix itself. They're not just going to wake up one day and just magically be over it. Like, it's not going to happen. Uh, it, they may get... I know how I want to say this, but let me say it this way. They won't stop with a girlfriend. They will get a new one. It's not going to change if you're not willing to have the conversation. And so, it, it, you know, it, 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 typically this would be more on the male side, but not always, um, you know, um, and so, but there does have to be some conversation. And, you, and if you need help, you need somebody to come in to support you, talk to you, uh, help you walk with it, then that's what you need to do. Um, but you can't just let it sit there. And you, it's not something you can just pray through and hope it changes. So, um, so another one here, and, um, is, and this is, again, another little bit different one, but it says, uh, how can a marriage recover from a porn addiction? Um, and so, uh, you know, this is something that I've had the opportunity to help a lot of men walk through through the years. Um, you know, is that pornography is actually a, it's actually considered a legal addiction now. Uh, my brother-in-law is a, a Christian psychologist. And so about a year or two ago, I asked him, I said, you know, it was when everybody was having the mental health conversation. And I'm like, hey, what's the, the next big thing on the mental health horizon? He said, oh, it's already here. And it's sex addiction. Um, and so the, to answer the question is, is it possible? Absolutely, Yes. We serve a powerful, redeeming God who rescues, who saves, who redeems, who restores. So absolutely, thousand percent, porn does not have to destroy a marriage. Does not have to. Now, depending on which side you're on, the person has to be repentant. They have to be wanting to change. But you also have to understand that that is a process because it is an addiction. I mean, there are chemicals that work in the brain. I won't go into the details of it. But there are things that happen inside of our brains chemically when we start looking at pornography and those types of things. Um, and it becomes an actual chemical addiction. You're not addicted to necessarily the pornography as much as the chemical reaction in your brain, right? And so, but there are some things. So, uh, you know, what are some things to help you come through that? Number one is you need to be in relationship with people. There needs to be accountability for the, for the one who is struggling in pornography, um, because the enemy would love to just torpedo your marriage with, with pornography, uh, with your relationship. And so now let me, because I'm on the subject and I know we have some younger ears in here, let me go ahead and dispel a myth for especially maybe some of you younger guys that you think, Hey, when I get married, my porn addiction will take care of itself. No, it will not. No, it won't. You're like, yeah, but I'll be able to, it won't. You'll still have the addiction. It will still be there. I can't tell you how many men I've sat down with that said, I thought when I got married, this was going to take care of that. And it absolutely will not. And so you have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do the heart work in you so that you can get victory in this area of your life. And it's because anything that you don't have control of has control of you. 
just the truth. And there's no way to um, kind of manage it. No, the Bible says we have to kill the flesh. We don't play with it. We don't dabble in it like, no, it's fire and you will get burned. And you may say, well, it's not hurting anybody. It's not that big a deal. It's hurting you. It is. And in our culture today, used to, this was a predominantly male issue. Statistically, women are almost on pace to catch up with men as far as the amount of women who are addicted to pornography as men today. And it ruins marriages all the time. Um, you know, and so it is something that we have to be willing to, to bring to the Lord. And to, but, you know, but to answer the question, yes, it is possible. There needs to be uh, repentance. There needs to be accountability. And it has to be real accountability. Uh, now, I would say this, along with this, is that uh, just for the sake of communication today, let's say the husband has a porn issue, his accounting partner should not be his wife. It needs to be another man. Because, I mean, or if the roles were reversed, I would say the same thing. I, I, don't, I have good reasons why I would tell you that, um, but I'm already way over my time. So, um, anyhow, so that's the way I would answer those questions. Look, if you have questions... You can continue to text them. I will respond to them, um, you know, and so we'll get those, um, you know, again, they're anonymous. So, you know, I, I want to be able to help and to, to speak into things. But ultimately, all things with relationships come back to our relationship with the Lord. If our vertical relationship is not right, the horizontal relationship will not work. And so, you know, even like just a little fun little thing, like when me and Dara kind of get onto each other a little too much. We have the joke, and it's like, you need to go spend time with Jesus. Because I can't fix you, but Jesus will. And, um, you know, but, but it's kind of a serious joke. But what's funny about it is that neither one of us get offended about it. Typically, our response is, you're right. You're right. I know I do, and I'm frustrated I'm with you. you. Right. Yeah. I'm frustrated with you because I'm actually frustrated with myself. And this really has nothing to do with you. And there's times that we say that, like, hey, you're, you're obviously upset and frustrated about something. But you're taking it out on me, but I don't think it has anything to do with me. And it's like, you're right, I'm under stress. I didn't sleep last night, whatever the case may be. Uh, all of those types of things. And so you can really help your spouse by kind of calling them out sweetly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, and uh, yeah, that's the key. You got to be nice. But even, I mean, like I said, those little things, like you need to go spend some time with Jesus. That's the answer. I've got to go be alone with the Lord. I've got to, to get with him and allow the Holy Spirit to work in my heart. Uh, you know, because he's the one who can do the work that I can't do in me. And he's the one who can do the work in her that she can't do and I can't do. And we've got to be open to the, to the, uh, to the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. And so, uh, you know, I want to wrap up this morning. Um, thank you all so much for the basket, by the way. And uh, we appreciate it very much. And, um, but I want to pray over all of us this morning as we are kind of concluding service. And uh, so thank you for coming up here. This is not my wife's forte. I could do this all day long. I'm like, just shoot me questions. I don't care. Like, you know, uh, this is my kind of world. So I, I love it to exist in this place. But, um, but I do want to pray over you this morning because of where we are. Um, because I think that relationships, even the day in which we live, I mean, you know, everybody we see is just at each other's throat all the time. You know, and yet relationships, and especially godly relationships, should look better than the world's relationships. And people are like, y'all actually like each other? Oh, yeah, we love each other. <laughs> like, our relationship's going great, and, but, and we can help a lot of people. The stronger your marriage is, the better it is for everybody else you know. 
And you'll be able to, to speak into life into them and to give them, um, you know, the wisdom that you've learned through experience. And so uh, I want to pray this morning over you and uh, we'll wrap up service so we can get home and get our fires going and whatever else we're going to do to prepare before some weather hits today. But Father God, we just thank you so much for today. Father, I thank you for every person that's here in this room. Father, all those online as well today. Father, I thank you that even as we're navigating the complexities of relationships, Father, I thank you that Holy Spirit, you said that if we needed wisdom, which is God's way of seeing and understanding things, all we had to do was to ask and you would give us wisdom in every situation and every relationship that we have. And so, Father, I thank you for every marriage that's represented today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our marriage. We ask you to help us to be the best spouse and the best husband and the best mother that we can be to the kids that you've entrusted to us. Father, I thank you that there's those who are here that are waiting, that are believing for your spouse to come into their life. Father, I thank you that you would give them, Father, just strength even as they're waiting. And and Father, just for clarity of what you're doing in their hearts even during this time. As they're preparing, as you're preparing them for what you have for them in the future. And so, Father, I thank you. For today, Father, I thank you that you're working in our hearts, that, Father, even if we're one that is waiting or even if we're married, Father, we all need you to work in our hearts and in our lives, Father. We're all, uh, our work's in progress, that we need you to continue to develop us and develop our heart and, and what we see and understand and know. And so, Father, we thank you that you are moving in our hearts, Father, that you're preparing us for a great future, that we could be stronger moving forward. So, Father, we thank you so much for who you are for today. Father, we thank you that this is a day that you've made, Father, that we choose to rejoice, to be glad in today, Father, because we have hope in you that we're not left to just natural relationships. But, Father, we thank you that we have our our relationship, our connection with you, Father, that really all other relationships are intended to flow out of. And so, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.